Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 182. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be starting the animated series second season with the episodes The Pirates of Orion, or should I say Orion, (laughs) (laughs) and Bem, and The Practical Joker. Here we go. The Pirates of Orion, Season 2, Episode 1, Production Code 22020, Original Air Date, September 7th, 1974, Directed by Bill Reed, Written by Howard Weinstein. The Enterprise is on its way to planet Deneb 5, when Spock contracts a rare disease and is diagnosed by Dr. McCoy with having only days to live. The Starfleet freighter SS Huron is to rendezvous with the Enterprise and deliver medicine needed for the cure, when it is attacked by Orion pirates who steal its cargo. Kirk orders the Enterprise to chase the Orion ship in a desperate attempt to recover the cure before time runs out. It'll take four days to get the drug, but Spock will die in three. There's got to be a way. What about a rendezvous? Of course. If we can't go out of our way to get the drug in time, there must be another ship closer to Beta Cannabis. Kirk, to bridge. Get me Starfleet Lieutenant. Okay, so let's just get out of the way. Are we all just going to say Orion? I think that's what we should do. Right, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I did phonetically spell it in my notes just to be ready. But These are the Orions that were, you know, these are the Orions we know and love, right? They're not some weird Orion species that kind of looks like the Orions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I concur. Yeah. Okay, we all agree with that. Okay, good. All right, uh, Steve, kick us off on the Pirates of Orion. All right. Well, um, yeah, so getting around the pronunciation issue there. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. There's a it. We've seen the kind of story before with the whole someone's ill, we got to rush to get a drug or rush to get to a planet or something like that. That's not a new concept. Um, it's interesting they chose to uh, delve into the Orions a bit and try to flesh out what they're about. And, um, you know, we, have, we don't see that again until Enterprise, really, you know, any kind of thing. I, I, I did find it confusing, some of the uh, cultural aspects of, you know, you know, they needed to kill themselves or blow themselves up in order to protect some treaty. I, I was kind of confused by some of that. Um, but so, you know, I mean, I don't think this is not one of these that strikes me as like awful or something. It's just, uh, it's just kind of there, you know, it's like a little action adventure romp and you, there's the odd pronunciation. There's the, uh, the other ship where it sounds like Sulu and Chapel talking to each other. Cause that's what you get, you know, and, um, yet it doesn't look like them. So yeah, I don't, I don't really have much feeling about this one. I suppose. I kind of like the design of that that other ship the huron uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. it's kind of neat i mean it's it's real like 70s yeah kind of sci-fi ship design once a ship is in space it doesn't really there's nothing about it that needs to be aerodynamic um probably we talked about that before but like the, the borg ship is the most logical space vessel <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. there's no reason for any of that it's only if it's going to enter the atmosphere then it then it would matter but um, once it's in, if it's only if it's built and staying in space forever, it doesn't matter. Uh, so when you get you get a, a design like the Huron, it's kind of it's it's interesting, it's fun, I like it. Adam, your thoughts here? 
Yeah, I'd kind of agree. Um, I, the positives, it's well paced. I mean, it moves pretty well. Um, guys said, um, it's like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a romp. They're chasing, you know, the Orions to get the medicine. So it's kind of got a fun pace to it. I would give it that. Um, I agree with you, Brian. I, I enjoyed, I've been, I've enjoyed a lot of the ship designs in this series so far. I mean, obviously they can, it's a lot easier to draw the ship than, you know, build one from a model. So yeah, I would agree with you about the, um, the Huron. It was kind of cool to see. It's interesting. We got a little bit of backstory there. I don't think we had, had had a number before on, uh, McCoy's service years. They said he's been a doctor for 25 years. We don't know how long in Starfleet, I suppose, but that was an interesting little piece of trivia that we hadn't heard anywhere else. Um, I do find it odd that, you know, Spock's got this disease that ultimately would kill him if they don't get this drug yet. They only like cut his duty time in half and I get he's stubborn, you know, but wouldn't it be best just to totally stretch it out by just stay in bed or something, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of, meditate, right. It's kind of an odd choice. You know, it's like you're dying a few days. It might be a few days plus one or two if you just stop doing things, you know, but no, actually I, this is going to be like so oddly specific, but <laughs> I thought it was kind of neat that they're like, um, you know, it's going to take four days to get the drug, but Spock will die in three. So another ship is going to meet us halfway. I mean, that seems like something really simple and obvious that maybe any other show would have done. But the original series, they were always doing everything by themselves ever. Right, that's true. They never would have had a plan of this ship is going to get the drug and meet us halfway or something. Right. I don't know. That was a minor thing that I thought was kind of yeah. neat. And of course that ship, the Huron really does figure into the story yep. in other ways and stuff. But I guess it was just the expense of showing other ships, you know, in which you don't have to worry about that here, you know? Yeah. I guess that's probably being in deep space. Maybe there's not a lot of right. ships to be around. It was, it felt a little bit like, uh, you know, like you're on your iPhone when it gives you the directions and then, so it's like updating based on the traffic. <laughs> I was going to say the Ryan ship was very interesting, very menacing. What color was that ship? Like a red, possibly dark orange, depending on your hardware. Animated Orion ship would have been a good Christmas ornament for. <laughs> <laughs> Flying through an asteroid field with explosive asteroids, that seemed a little, you know, an odd choice. Yeah. I mean, why would they even put those explosive asteroids there? That's, you know, if I was building that sort of thing. Let's see. Kirk offers to let them keep the dilithium if they just give them the drug. Also an unusual, I don't know, that felt unusual to me. It felt like an, yeah. an un-Kirk kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. True, true. It was desperate, but it was neat. I don't. I it it seemed a little bit silly to me that the Orion's new secret plot here was to just to then just to destroy both ships since they weren't going to win. I was like, wait, what? And it was such a simple, I don't know, mm-hmm. fast decision that that this whole episode to me is is a bit um, well, it's a little simple. I, I've talked about some of the other animated episodes, you know, some of the ones that are really nutty uh-huh. and goofy and crazy. I, I'd almost prefer those. At least that, when they do that, even if I don't like those episodes, there's always something new right around the corner and it keeps your attention because uh, it's so all over the map. And I guess more than anything, it 
where those kinds of episodes are what give the animated series character, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So we have the goofy ones. We have the like direct sequels to the original series episodes. We have episodes that are like uh, just trying to be original series episodes, mm-hmm. uh, but short and animated. I don't know. And those, unless they're really good, like yesteryear, mm-hmm. those tend to be... I don't know. I hate to use the word boring, but that's kind of what I feel a little bit on this episode. It's it's pretty linear and straightforward and outside of an interesting ship designer too. I don't know. It it, it wasn't all that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, I think like anything else, it's, it's not so easy to translate a formula into a different length of a show. You know, you can't just do the same thing. I mean, you can, but you end up either having to, I mean, it has to be, like you said, yesteryear is really good, but that's, those are kind of like, you know, diamond in the rough kind of thing, you know, to pull off a really succinct story and, you know, that's rich yet not convoluted in a very short amount of time. That's hard to do, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, this episode's very formulaic. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of plot twists, you know, it's a, it's a chase, it's a chase scene episode. That's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of depth to it. So what's this episode about? Pirates of Orion. Um, well, it's about saving a friend. That's kind of what the plot is. You know, saving a crewman, friend, brother. That's you know, Kirk was pretty desperate to to um get the medicine that Spock needed. Like you said earlier, you know, he was willing to give up all the dilithium crystals just for um the antidote. Um and don't trust Orions, they'll blow you up along with themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean if I if I had to say something it would be that, you know, obviously they're really doing they're doing a lot and going out of their way and sacrificing a lot for Spock, but I would say that we've seen a lot of other episodes that do that kind of thing better than this one because uh, I mean, they're clearly doing that through their actions, but I'm not sure really the the whole the rest of the episode really supports the the that vibe. It's it's the Good of the one outweighs the good of the many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do six degrees for the Pirates of Orion. <laughs> let's see. Steve, you going first or second? No, first. We will next see the Orions in the Enterprise episode, Borderlands. What season of Enterprise was that? Hmm. Is that fourth? You are correct. It was season four. Moving on. BIM, season two, episode two, production code 22018, original air date September 14th, 1974, directed by Bill Reed, written by David Gerald. The Enterprise crew is conducting a series of exploratory missions with honorary commander BIM a representative from the newly contacted planet Kendro, who is working for his government as an independent observer of the Federation. Bim accompanies a landing party on a mission to a newly discovered planet. Instead of observing, however, he begins to interfere with the mission. And deny you the opportunity to prove your value to planet Pandro by rescuing this one from possibly dangerous situation? This is not a laboratory, Commander Ben. This is a hostile planet. And representatives of Starfleet are not experimental animals for you to test. Bam! 
Bam, bam. I kind of went like on his home planet. Do they all speak to each other just by saying their names? Mm-hmm. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Um, Adam, why don't you start on Bam? <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a good episode. It does have some funny moments. Um, notably, um, notably, Kirk's a little salty in this whole episode. I mean, right from the beginning, you know, he's um, he's kind of having an argument with Bim about him going down to this planet to to observe this mission, which was curious to me. Is like, you know, Kirk's the captain. If he doesn't want him to go, he'd just say, "You're not going." But anyway that would end the episode really quickly. So Bam goes down there and he causes havoc. And the most amusing parts I found about the, the episode were, um, were when Spock and Kirk were trapped and Kirk's lamenting how they're always get into these situations and that kind of thing. I just kind of found those somewhat amusing. It's something you, you don't really, um, you didn't really see any in the original series, you know, Kirk complaining about stuff like that. Yeah. This episode was written by um, uh, David Gerald and he does that was something i specifically put in my notes that um he gets like kirk and spock's voices he really well that really nails them on the head it's excellent like dialogue writing for kirk and spock in my opinion i'm sorry continue so yeah those um those are the scenes that i enjoyed most were you know with kirk and um and um spock obviously you know their conversations about bam and you know like I said getting into these situations and like I said you see kind of Kirk lamenting their 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 plight more more than you've I think I've ever seen Kirk do that um I don't know the episodes kind of all over the place you got bim who's running around I don't really kind of understand his motivation even at the end when he's up very you know remorseful about what he's done it's just I don't know it just didn't just didn't did, didn't work for me basically um so yeah, um, it, like I said, it's amusing at times, but I don't know. I kind of had a hard time just keeping up with the episode because that and Bam, it was just just seemed really just out of just weird. Steve. Yeah, so I mean, it's certainly bizarre this whole splitting thing and the uh, colony creature concept, but it is also unique. Um, and yeah, I agree with the writer with what you said about David Gerald and how he gets the dialogue so well. So that helps it feel like it's in the Trek universe. So it's kind of this, it's kind of, it's unusual. I mean, it's also one of the more memorable ones, uh, episodes, I think. And I think it's probably mostly because of this guy that splits in two, but you know, yeah. I remember the guy splitting and flying around like that. Yeah. So, cause it's so bizarre, but, um, so yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's well, it's well written, um, but it's also, um, I don't know. It's not, it's not like it's, it's unique in terms of this colony creature concept, but it's not so unique in terms of here's some alien in some respect or another testing humans or testing them and, and them having to kind of work through some problem when in reality, the whole thing is just some exercise. Um, so, you know, again, it's one of these that, in, in a very different way, I'm kind of torn on how good it is than the last one. You know, it's, it certainly wasn't like as, as dull as the last one, I think. It's just kind of one thing to another and jumping around and some of these bizarre notions and trying to understand, you know, the, the motivation of this character. And is that consistent, his motivation? And can we nail that down? You know, that kind of thing. But anyway. Yeah, I think what the, the, the kinds of things you're talking about that are unique about it those are what make you know it's memorable taking advantage of the animated medium you know doing stuff they can do on the live action show 
you know, BIM splitting apart and flying around, things like that. Yes, definitely. But at the same time, there's there are several aspects to the story other than BIM that I feel like we've seen plenty of times before. Um, this godlike entity raising her aborigine camp children or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, preventing our heroes from fighting them or I, I don't know that not, none of that stuff seemed interesting or, or more to the point uh, new. It felt like I've seen that not once, but multiple times on Star Trek already. Um, but yeah, I think I would rather watch them than pirates of Orion. You mean Orion does have an, <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, I'd rather watch Beam, <laughs> uh, just because yeah, it's got it's got enough of these kind of more unique uh, elements. I mean, I, you know, if you're gonna have a godlike creature, it's it was interesting that Nichelle Nichols did the voice for that. I guess that was a little bit different than what we would normally have, but for the god. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is odd this whole thing where he's all in disgrace and it's like oh now i must disassemble and that is a drug on forever and it's kind of like at some point i just wanted to kind of see it it's like what's that mean do we get is it more than just the pants come alive with arms coming out of them or do we do the feet come off and i mean i don't know you know it's like what's going on here well you gotta be careful <laughs> get fired for that mm-hmm, indeed maybe like each part has another part when he's totally disassembling. <laughs> of course, I just heard this, and uh, this is really going to be a dated reference that our listeners are not going to get. <laughs> but I thought of Johnny Five. No, disassemble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a listener and you got that reference, email us at checkcompanion at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah, Bim, he's an interesting design as well. I, I think I think I, I liked the way he looked. That that bit, if you're going to show him for the first time splitting his body, uh, doing it underwater, <laughs> body walks over. You know, that's 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 pretty nutty. Yeah, yeah. I like <laughs> I like when it's the first time Kirk and Spock see him do this, and it's just the arched eyebrow. You know, it's kind of like, hmm. You know, I mean, it's. It's just so. <laughs> I'd love to well, see like just, real reactions, you know, like what if you really saw somebody do? Be like, what the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, Spock immediately says, like, colony creature. Like, there's a that's a thing everywhere. Right. It's the only one I've ever I seen. Don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If an entire species is capable of, capable of this, and that planet is well known to the Federation and stuff, you know. How would they not know? I don't know. Whatever. I, well, it's I kind of that's in that sense. It kind of reminds me of the trill thing. It's like really, this was a big secret. Then how did we not know? Oh. You know their background. So they're newly contacted. And like the trill thing, it's very under, difficult to understand how a species would evolve like this. It's like what, a bunch of torsos laying around and legs. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they got a picture of humanoids from other planets mm-hmm. that's what we should do is this episode about anything 
um, respecting others' cultures, I guess, leaving um, leaving the dinosaurs alone. Dinosaur people don't interfere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of in, in back to the godlike creature taking care of a whole primitive culture thing. It's the same thing in all those kind of episodes, you know, a little bit in terms of the prime directive questions and you know, interference, I guess. But I really don't know, and I don't know how the the BIM features in it. Learn from your mistakes rather than disassemble. Right. Huh. Um, we like this one better than Orion. I think so. I I would think so. For it's not me. necessarily like a better episode. It's just more interesting to watch. Yeah, I think so for me. Let's do six degrees for Bim. Uh, Adam, sorry, but this might be a hard question. Okay. The title of this episode and the character's name, Bim, are an old science fiction term meaning what? A lot of uh, 50s sci-fi movies had a Bim. What did it mean? Had a Bim? It stood for something. Three words, B-E-M. Uh, I have no idea. Steve? We're trying to work it out, but it's not coming to me. I may have heard this before, but it's not coming to me. This this was an intentional reference by David Gerald. Uh, Bug-eyed monster. Ah, fun. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. The Practical Joker, Season 2, Episode 3, Production Code 22021. Original air date, September 21st, 1974. Directed by Bill Reed, written by Chuck Minbull and Lynn Jansen. Guest voices by Lou Scheimer as Romulan crewman and Norm Prescott as Romulan commander. The Enterprise is attacked by three Romulan battlecruisers, and Captain Kirk orders the ship into a nearby gaseous energy field knowing that the Romulans would be unwilling to follow them in. Sometime later, the, the crew begins to suffer a series of practical jokes, beginning with glasses leaking and utensils turning into rubber, and a uniform tunic for the captain with Kirk is a jerk, embroidered on the back. Everyone expects there is a member of the crew having fun. The jokes become more serious, however, as the corridor decks are found covered with ice under a concealing layer of fog. What do you make of all this, Spock? The evidence all points to one guilty party, Captain. You mean you know who's behind these stunts? Not who, what. I believe our practical joker is the Enterprise itself. Of course, that laugh. It's the voice of our main computer. The practical joker... The uh, computer experiences a nervous breakdown. I really do not know what that actually means. Hmm. Mm. Um, Steve, what do you think? I don't know what that means either, but uh, it's... um, Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they... uh, The the issue here is that they just spend way too much time establishing something's... You know, somebody's a practical joker. And then then it's okay. It's the computer. And there's just not much to this. It's kind of like, here's a whole bunch of silly. It's almost like, like this is a, a uh, episode just to, we have these, all these ideas of how things could get, so, someone could play a joke on somebody on the, or the computer could play a joke on someone in the enterprise. Let's just throw them into something. And then it just happens over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I think it's interesting, this whole holodeck thing, you know, it's easy to forget that they had something like a holodeck back then, at least according to the animated series, Although it 
seems to work on uh, with audio tapes rewinding during the simulation, which is interesting. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed uh, when Kirk was acting, apparently, you know, for the computer and his surprised looks. That was really obnoxious and those little funny. circles for his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we end up with a. Uh, blowing up a balloon somehow and coming out and then that actually fooled somebody. Uh, so that's bizarre. But I, I do think that, you know, there's a select uh, market probably for Kirk is a jerk uh, <laughs> shirts. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kirk is a jerk. <laughs> I, you know, I, like how has the word jerk evolved in the 40 40- you know, forty-five years since this episode has aired, right? You're right. Like, was it a worse term then, or a lighter term, or a f- more funny term? I, you know, I really wonder. Jerk. It's such a like colloquial kind of word that we don't hear Star Trek use. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's ask our listeners. Anybody out there, if you can tell. Well, us. like, like anytime they do this in one of the series, you have to just make you have to like explain it away with. Oh well, this that term had a resurgence in the 2260s, you know, or something, you know, and who knows what they were actually using it to mean? It could be worse or better than how we imagine it now, too. So, or mean something totally, totally different. Yeah, yeah. Ponder that for a second. Um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, didn't we have a fun with the word "pal"? Oh yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that 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 practical joke of Spock getting like the I don't know, shoe polish around his eyes. <laughs> By the way, how did the computer get that there? I right. don't understand how the computer like replicated a shirt that said Kirk is a jerk on the back. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, you still have to put it on. But yeah. yeah. Screwed up like um, uh, glasses or something mm-hmm. to make them spill their drinks or, or screwed with the environmental controls to put ice in the, all that stuff I get. But like the shoe polish around the thing where, that, yeah, that implies the computer can like, you know, create has some kind of like replicator that can can just stick it anywhere on the ship at once. Yeah, because didn't he say how did this? Yeah, what's, what's this, this thing? Yeah. yeah, how did mm-hmm. it get here? So. Yeah. Well, if you can have a holodeck, you can yeah, you can might as well have a replicator mm-hmm. equipment replicator. But that that joke I like because it's such a like I don't know fifties kind of joke or something, right? Mm-hmm. The the shoe polish. Yeah, the, yeah, it's just classic. Yeah. On the, you know, binoculars or something, <laughs> and they all laugh at it like it's all like it's a, in that vein as like, well. Yeah, that's a joke people do still now. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's... they use the term jerk sometimes too. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the only thing they were missing the whoopee cushion. In the <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, now, when that Enterprise twenty times larger than the standard <laughs> Enterprise deflated after getting shot, if they'd added that sound effect there. <laughs> <laughs> Even better if it had been like the female computer voice trying to make like a farting sound effect. <laughs> yeah. Just have Kirk bend over and she, does, you know, she gives a toot every time he bends over. So yeah, the holodeck thing is pretty cool. Now, uh, Dorothy Fontana said they weren't thinking about the animated series holodeck when they created it for next gen. Uh, they'd forgotten this was even here. Mm. I don't believe it, actually. <laughs> I believe that it was subconsciously there. Yeah. 
I do believe that we that we have enough evidence to say that McCoy's weakness is cold. Because every time he's out in the cold, he's like, leave me. I'm finished. <laughs> right. But every time. Mr. Ata's episode, and then your Star Trek six, you brought that up. You, yeah. That's hmm. the same. Same thing in this one. Leave me, I'm finished. <laughs> he gives up. <laughs> You're in a holodeck. <laughs> is Kirk a jerk? I don't think he is. I mean... <laughs> sounds like... sounds like some lead in this push will make you come back after a commercial break on Fox yeah. News or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like the, the computer is so sophisticated that it recognizes that practical joke as being a joke simply because it rhymes yeah you guys like this episode did, did you laugh at any of these jokes it was amusing at times but it, yeah it was kind of all over the place the episode in general i kind of agree with you i mean they kind of the majority of the episode is all these um practical jokes going on and the thing is is like the, you know as the audience is ahead of the crew the whole time i'm like okay you went through a energy field and weird things start happening and so as a you know as a, the audience you know something's going on and it takes the crew like another five ten minutes to kind of figure out like oh yeah this is actually you know something's wrong so i i think that um in this case the audience being ahead of the crew way ahead of the story isn't good for this episode mm-hmm. and, and i didn't laugh at the jokes i laughed at the things that were just absurd i mean i laughed for you know like the uh what's up with the whole, um, you know, acting crazy and the round eye thing that Kirk does and flipping out and stuff. Yeah, it looked like an old, like, uh, newspaper strip. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was an easy fix. They just had to go back through the energy field, Matt, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that I was kind of on the fence about this episode and thinking, I don't really get this episode. I don't. I don't care for it. Uh, and then when they fix things by just flying back through the same field and magically that fixed it, that's when I knew I didn't care. Mm-hmm. For but th- this episode felt like they made one joke and then they just kept making the same joke. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you said, uh, Adam, I-, I felt immediately like it was ahead of it. That's not good. I think we can all agree right. on that. How would you guys rate the three today? Top to bottom. <sighs> just compared to each other. Jeez. Um, the character Bim uh, really annoyed me. Um, I found that episode just to be kind of annoying. But um, so I would have to go with Pirates first, Bim maybe second, this one third. I don't know. The last two were kind of both bad for me. They had amusing. There were moments in both episodes, but I kind of found them both tedious. At least with our, I know Pirates or Ryan really isn't about anything, and it's kind of. Story-wise, it's kind of bland, but at least it's like structurally, it's watchable. Where the other two I found weren't very structurally sound. I mean, this is probably one of the more challenging days to rank stuff, really. But um, I, I would say I'm yeah, I'm backwards on from what Adam described in terms of BIM. I'll rank first just because it is memorable and it's bizarre, even though it's got its problems. And then Pirates of Orion, and then last Practical Joker, just because it's it's. I mean, if, if you're, I mean, you kind of just get, by the time you're here after watching the other two, you're kind of just drained, you know, or whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean, you have to acknowledge that it's almost offensive. You can't take it seriously, you know, the practical joker. It's so, you know, anyway, so yeah. Uh, so BIM, 
Pirates of Orion, Practical Joker. That's probably where I am for the day, but they're all. I mean, yeah, they're all, the, yeah, they're all pretty bad. Um, which is unfortunate. You know, usually, you know, since I was thinking about this when we started doing the animated series, I mean, we would at least have one re- solid episode that we all kind of enjoyed. And this is, I think, the first time that, and then the other two or three would be bad. This is the first one where I think all three have been kind of like bleh. DC Fontana left after the first season and the second season, you know, proceeded without her. So they did things like produce the BEM script because they'd already finished it, but they decided it wasn't good enough in the previous season to make. Right. So they didn't do it. Uh, it, Maybe it would have been a 17th episode if they'd done another one, but you know, DC Fontana didn't feel real good about that script. So she didn't do it. And then when they did a second season without her, they're like, oh, we paid for this one already. Let's mm, use it, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what all these three episodes feel like to me. They feel like first season rejects, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good possibility. Yeah. Orion is probably a little bit better than that. Just, you know, it's a little bit more sound than that. I'm probably being a little too harsh on it. Even though I'd rather watch Bem, I think Orion is probably a more solid episode. Anyway. Uh, is Practical Joker about anything? I don't know. Um, I think, at least for my part, and Steve can say say for himself, I'm just be pulling stuff out of out of the air to kind of say what this episode's about. Um, it's about practical jokes. How's that? Yeah, I mean, I really, I can't imagine what would be the, you know, what what it has to say. I don't think it has anything to say really. I can't imagine. Yeah. Adam, I'm going to give you this six degrees question. Okay. Because I would like to see the day to end on a tie if you can get it. No pressure. We will next see the recreation room as the holodeck in what episode of Next Gen? Um, Farpoint? Say the whole name again. Farpoint. Season one, the, the uh, pilot episode, Farpoint. That is not the name of the episode. Okay. Could, do you have the whole title? Oh, um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm discombobulated. You can take it, Steve. Uh, it, yeah, well, it, it's a Encounter in Farpoint. Yeah, Encounter in Farpoint. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Well, we are going to be back in two weeks to finish out the animated series with the final three episodes of Season 2. Two weeks after that, we're going to have our holiday special in which we have a spoiler-filled discussion of... Star Wars The Last Jedi. And then two weeks after that, our first episode of 2018, we are going to start talking about Star Trek Voyager. Uh, So thank you for spending an hour with us today, and we hope you'll join us again in two weeks when we finish out the animated series. So you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us emails, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.